Film festivals are a magical place for cinephiles and filmmakers alike. The movement of the people, days of focusing on and discussing films, listening to filmmakers speak about their movies, and for me, a documentary evangelist, a nonfiction film festival is my church. When I moved to Omaha, I was aware of the True False Film Festival, but it wasn't until this year that I realized it was only a few hours away in Columbia, Missouri, and I was incredibly excited that this haven of documentary was right down the road. The festival is happening this year from May 5th through 9th, in person with distanced outdoor screenings and talks, as well as an online version of the film festival called Teleported, which I'll be participating in from my couch, watching all of the great films that this year has to offer, and highlighting those films for you, the listener. On today's episode of KIOS at the Movies, I wanted to get an idea of what to expect from True False Film Festival in 2021. Yeah, the landscape is massively different. This is David Wilson, artistic director and co-founder of the True False Film Festival. I asked him how COVID-19 affected their thought process on the festival in 2021. This year for True False has been planning whether we could do a festival, if so, what it might look like, how it would come together, and the very, very complex logistics of doing a safe in-person festival. When did the True False Film Festival start, and how is this year going to look different? So True False started in 2004. And we were kind of a small, out-of-the-way documentary film festival. And I think we had 4,400 tickets the first year. And then it grew. A few years ago, uh, pre-pandemic, we were averaging about 50,000 tickets each year for a four-day fest of brand new nonfiction films in Columbia, Missouri. This year, we are doing an all-outdoor fest. We have four outdoor venues plus a drive-in, a pop-up drive-in that we'll be using. You know, we expect that, you know, total tickets will be probably around 20,000 tickets. And when you translate that into people, you're even smaller. Normally, we'd say we have like 15 to 20,000 people. And this year, we expect it closer to three to 4,000 people. Wow, that's a huge difference. Yeah, it's massive. We felt it was important. We felt like the Fest offered something, especially locally. You know, again, in a normal year, maybe 40% of our audience is traveling in from elsewhere. They're coming, you know, regionally, um, whether it be from Omaha or Des Moines or Chicago, um, and then they're coming nationally and even internationally. This year, we're expecting our audience to more or less be people who live in mid-Missouri. We felt like it was important to do a festival for that audience and that community. Why documentary? When I was first getting into the world of film and, and film festivals, I went to my first festivals and they were these kind of like underground film fests. And the fiction films were often terrible. But the documentaries were always at least interesting. There's a lower bar of entry for making documentaries. So if you're talking about low budget, no budget, truly independent filmmaking, it's easier to make a very good documentary than a very good fiction film. Yeah. And one of the things I'm most passionate about is talking about documentary films as cinema. And I love that you guys do that. Yeah. No, that's been there like baked in from day one. These are, these are movies, you know, and you know, you can get nerdy about it that, you know, people call it a genre and I don't think it's a genre, you know, a genre is a Western. You can have a nonfiction Western um, genre is a heist film. You can have a nonfiction heist film. In some ways, doc and fiction are actually the least of the classifications. While we're in this conceptual kind of nerdy space, I want to get your take on the fact that we live in a society with 24-hour news, with TikTok, with YouTube. What's the role of documentary cinema in this era? One of the real disconnects I see between nonfiction cinema and journalism, and I see it acutely this year in the films we're getting. Obviously, we're getting, we've seen a lot of films about the pandemic, um, about COVID. And there's been some good ones. I think very rarely do great nonfiction films respond to news in the moment. They are better at responding to things after the fact, right? They are better at sifting and taking time and telling a story that isn't just, hey, here's what's going on right now. 
you know, those, that's not the medium for that. I don't think it functions as a medium for that. Um, I think it functions as a more mid to late period historical medium where we can say, hey, we actually were able to get a sense of everything going on. And here's a story we want to tell in that space. Documentaries are at their best when they're providing context or like a Frederick Weissman and really like letting you live in that space or an Agnes Varda where they're just like really bringing in their personality to tell a bigger story. Great documentaries do often reverberate with the present moment, you know. Um, but if you look at like, you know, if you look at Josh Oppenheimer's work, which I love, if you look at the act of killing and the look of silence. There was nothing urgent about telling the stories for us, especially for a Western audience, right? We didn't feel an urgency about telling the stories of um, the genocide carried out against ethnic Chinese in Indonesia um, in the 70s. And yet those stories really mattered in Indonesia and the stories of the people and how people deal with trauma and how people process that, they matter to all of us, right? So we made something which was both universal globally and very specific and very in the moment and very important historically um, in Indonesia. And I think that kind of filmmaking is when, when films move from being just good to being great. So back to the True False Film Festival, what films do you want to highlight? In addition to kind of scaling down the overall size of the fest, we scaled down the number of films. We only have 16 feature films at the fest this year. And I kind of love that. The lineup we have this year is very ambitious. I think we could have said, hey, we're doing a fest in the park and we've all had a hard year and you know, let's show some, some easy movies. But we just wanted to show great movies. The ambitious, great movies that we found this year are movies made by people who found a way. You know, they're movies that were mostly started before the pandemic. Sometimes they kind of bounce off of the pandemic, but they were hard to make. And movies are always hard to make, but they were really hard to finish movies this year. And I don't think it's a surprise that, especially in our features, a significant number of those are first-time feature filmmakers, a significant number of women, and, it's, and a significant number of people of color. I think it's people who, who needed to be ambitious, who needed to kick open doors that were shut, who found a way to finish their films and make their films great this year. And so that's something I'm really proud of. I think we have really far-reaching, challenging, visually stunning films um, at the fest this year. And we also have like big, fun films. We are showing Summer of Soul. It'll be actually the first public screening of this film by Questlove about the, the Black Woodstock concert that took place in, in Harlem in 1969. That film is brimming with joy. It takes the actions and the events of 1969 and just makes them collide with the present moment. And you just feel that explosion of energy between what's going on now politically and what was going on then and how the music crosses uh, between the two worlds. So usually on the podcast, we have a recommendation section. So I'd love to hear some of the films that inspire you. I mentioned Josh Oppenheimer. He's, he's one of my favorite filmmakers. I think The Look of Silence, I could certainly make a case for The Look of Silence as my very favorite documentary. Um, I just think it does so much. And, you know, it pair, it's, it's part of a, not what's the two film trilogy. <laughs> it is of a pair um, with the act of killing. Um, but I actually love The Look of Silence even slightly better. And I just think it's an extraordinary film that kind of succeeds on all levels. I, I think that one of the, the very first film we ever showed at True False was Touching the Void, uh, Kevin McDonald's uh, film about, about a mountain climbing disaster in the Andes. Um, I love that film. It was a film that kind of showed us like, hey, you know, nonfiction can be thrillers. Nonfiction can be adventure films. Uh, you mentioned Agnes Varda, The Gleaners and I. It's just a really dear film to me and uh, kind of connected with parts of my life and in ways that I felt really uh, emotionally drawn to. Um, I think that film's extraordinary. You know, I think Laura Poitras' Citizen Four, which, I mean, talk about reportage and being in the moment and yet making something creative and personal 
and still absolutely rigorously journalistic, it's a great film. The way that she kind of took the success of her films and turned it into teaming up with Field of Vision to just keep growing that whole aspect of different types of journalistic documentaries yeah it's incredible yeah good choices um i'll I'll mention i'll mention one more i mean obviously i could go on and on but uh i'm a absolute sucker for teen films whether fiction or nonfiction. and there's a film called only the young um which i just love yeah that was a really really good movie yeah it's about some uh some teen skaters kind of hanging out in southern california um i think it was released by oscilloscope if folks are looking for it it's kind of a little harder to find than the others but uh, really, really wonderful film. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I love that movie so much. Is there anything else that you think our listeners should know? We're at a moment societally here. You know, uh, everything we've done so far has been, this year has been planned as if the fest was tomorrow, right? Starting back in last June, where we were like, okay, well, what would a fest look like right now? What would a fest look like in October? What would a fest look like in January? We're coming up on a moment where I feel like things are getting better. Um, and, you know, it's been slow for a while, and, it's, and I think we've all been afraid to say it, but it really feels like that now. Um, I just saw the news from the CDC, uh, you know, saying that people who've been vaccinated don't carry the virus. That's, that's big news. For your listeners, I think if folks feel like a weekend trip to Columbia and that and they, um, you know, and they're vaccinated, um, I think this is, could be one of the first festivals that people do. Um, we're still practicing a distance festival. Masks will still be required. Um, we have pods laid out in our outdoor venues so that you're sitting six feet from anybody else. It's not going to feel like a normal, big, full festival of people or crowded, but I think it's a thing, an event that people will be able to do safely. And, and as such, it's one of the first things that we'll be able to do together safely in a very long time. Yeah. Thank you so much for doing this. It's really a pleasure talking with you. It's fun to kind of go to that next level talking about docs and, and have, you know, not just sense. The True False Film Festival takes place from May 5th through 9th in Columbia, Missouri. For KIOS, I'm Joshua LeBure.